Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. everybody what's going on welcome to another episode of the nomad strength show uh we've got a very special one for you today i'm joined by michael rodriguez aka rod um michael and i met again another person i met at winter strong a few months back and uh i was told by our mutual friend brandon that we needed to meet and hook up and uh, and connect and i'm and i'm really glad that we did because it was such a fun conversation and getting to know him has been a real blessing and he has an amazing story he's been uh been a major part of uh the military for over 20 years now he joined in in the early to mid 90s and has some awesome stories that he tells in this but really what was really cool about what he's doing right now is he is leading the effort in uh and one of the guys leading the effort to put together the global war on terror terror memorial and it's it's amazing the work that they're doing to try and make this happen and he talks a lot about that and all of the not surprising, you know, bureaucratic red tape and all the stuff that they've got to go through, but they're they're making real progress on this thing, and it's going to be unlike any of the war memorials that exist in D.C., and uh, it's a really special project, and we're coming up on Memorial Day here in a week, and so I thought this would be good timing to get this one out uh, for you guys to listen and, and get some inspiration and hear a really great story and, and a great conversation, and then I will also link in the show notes uh, where you guys can go and contribute and donate to the fund if you want to help make this memorial happen. And uh, this was just a really great conversation. I know you guys are going to enjoy this one. So without further ado, this is the conversation with my man, Michael Rodriguez. All right, we are live with my man, Michael Rodriguez. Good to talk to you again, my man. How are you doing? No, I'm doing good, Armando. Thank you. Thanks for the ask, man. I really, uh, uh, this is super cool to get a chance to talk to you. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited because, you know, like many of the guests over the last couple of months, uh, our connections that I met at Winter Strong, which just mm-hmm. is, it's just the coolest thing ever that you get to meet so many <laughs> different people from so many different backgrounds at that event. It's just awesome. And uh, w- uh, our mutual friend Brandon uh, kept telling me, you know, you got to meet this guy, you got to meet this guy. And then he finally <laughs> pulled us over to introduce us on one of the nights. And uh, in the yeah. in the hustle of everything going on, it's like we didn't get the chance to like really sit down and, and talk too much. But uh, I knew I'd, this was probably going to be my best chance to do a little bit of that was just to have you on and, and dive into what you're doing. And, and you're just doing so many cool things right now. It seems like you were last week, you were just talking, you were at Lockheed Martin talking, doing your keynote keynote speech for, for veteran groups and stuff like that. And you're doing tons of work with them. And so I'm just pumped to be able to talk to you, man. No, I appreciate it. Yeah. It, it's uh it's funny, you know, how, how many connections uh, are made at like uh, winter strong or summer strong, you know, the, the Sornex events, you know, what, what, mm-hmm. 
Bert and Pops have built over the past, since the 80s, you know, when Pops started it, you know, past 40 plus years is yeah. just phenomenal, man. I mean, you're, you're not going to, there's no like strength and conditioning, you know, there's, there's this general preset. Okay. This, these are the type of people, but man, you, you, you want to talk about a, a community of empowerment, probably be the only way I could describe that. So when Brandon introduced us, you know, I, I know Brandon mm -hmm. for a number of years, so yeah, it's a legit hombre right there. He's like, hey, man, you guys, I'm like, okay, cool. But who do I need to talk to? Brandon? <laughs> That's like, right. Of course. Absolutely, bro. Who do I need to <laughs> talk right. to? So, so <laughs> it's super cool. I'm glad he was able <laughs> yeah, to. Exactly. Me too, man. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, since then I started following you and am noticing all of the, the work you're doing, doing things for veterans and stuff like that. So I want to hear a little bit about how that part of it became such a passion for you in, in doing that kind of work. Cause it, it seems, and, and this maybe just me on the outside of it, that that kind of stuff isn't happening maybe as much as it should be in my opinion. And maybe, you, I don't know if you can say the same thing about that. Yeah, no, sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, um, I never thought I'd be in this position in my life, you know what I mean? Like doing what I do now and, and, and I'll get to that, but you know, I was mm -hmm. fortunate that as a child, you know, my, um, my earliest heroes that I can remember, um, you know, it wasn't Spider-Man or, or the Punisher, you know, for big comic books back in the day, you know, um, you know, for me, it mm -hmm. was, uh, it was my father, um, who's a Vietnam veteran and my grandfather served during World War II. And then, <clears throat> you know, their, um, you know, my, my grandmother's brothers all served. So, you know, uh, during World War II. Mm -hmm. So sitting there listening to them, uh, you know, coming from, I'm from Southern New Mexico. I grew up there right on the border uh, with Mexico, New Mexico, and, and Texas, Texas, where all touches right there by the Paso. So that's, that's where my family's from. Um, mm -hmm. You know, very strong ethnic, you know, Chicano lifestyle, right? So familias primera. I say that because family's everything, right? So the reason it struck me um, was uh, a tone with me as a child was because you know, my, my father and, and grandfathers and great uncles, they didn't really talk about war, right? They didn't really, like, mm. talk about the realities of war um, and the horrors of war and, and, and the true price of freedom, right? Um, <clears throat> what they talked about was, you know, their, their comrades, right? Their, 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 those to the left and right. So I would listen to them uh, talk about these, these men that they served alongside, these men that they've... Um, you know, faced, um, you know, life and death with, right? Um, and they spoke with them with, with such a reverent tone. They spoke with them out of love. Um, so there's a reason I said, you know, like my, my ethnicity and background of familias primera, families first, right? They talked about them like family yeah. and with love. And I was like, mm. I, these are men that I never met. I, I've never had a chance to meet. Um, but seeing the impression that, the my the you know my father grandfather's and uncle's service had on them i was like it was amazing to me and i was like wow i want to i want to do that someday yeah so as far back as i can remember <clears throat> i wanted to join the army right and i was like i want to i want to go do all the cool guy stuff mm -hmm. and uh you know gi joes were, were my thing right when i was a kid gi <laughs> joes and he-man right so I'm, I'm a child of the 80s so that, that was right. the stuff <laughs> Um, so then, you know, that's what I did. And, uh, you know, I, I graduated high school. I was a little too young to join the army. I had to wait till I turned 17. Uh, and then I finally convinced my parents to, to sign the waiver to allow me to join. And, and then that's what, um, pretty much, uh, my entire adult life, uh, has been in service to this nation yeah. and some for another. So that's, that's kind of the, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the little seed planted. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, Sure. When I tell that story, it's not, I'm not trying to say like my my uh, my family was like pushing it on me by no means at all. It was just it it it, it uh, you know I'm, I'm the oldest of four sons. Um, I'm the oldest grandchild on my father's side, so you know we we care for one another. You know my cousin, we just we're a big familia, and and um, it mm -hmm. it just uh, I gravitated towards it because I wanted I wanted to experience it. Yeah. And having all of that in your family for however many generations prior probably wasn't something where it was a difficult conversation maybe with the parents. They're just like, oh, yeah, this, you know, everybody's um, done it. So it makes sense yeah. that you want to do it. Yeah. No. Well, no, it, it was not. So my father, the Vietnam veteran, um, <laughs> okay. uh, he did not 
he was not as supportive. Uh, he didn't fight me on it. He wasn't like, no, mm-hmm. he was just, he was just, Mijo, I wish, I wish you'd reconsider. I would wish you'd reconsider because his experiences sure. um, generally weren't the best. And, and it's no secret that the Vietnam generation were, oh man, it, it, it was shameful how they were treated. Like absolutely shameful. You know, yeah. people lose sight of the fact, I think today that, you know, uh, service members, soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, Coast Guard, they, none of us wrote foreign policy, man. We don't write it. We don't, we're not the ones doing right. it. We're not the ones making the decisions to, exactly. to go and do what our nation has done 200 plus years, right? Um, we're just this instrument of that. So unfortunately, during the Vietnam conflict, you know, during mm-hmm. Vietnam War, um, they became the brunt of it. And, you know, it's, it's a, ugh, it like hurts my heart when I think about how, how they were treated. So... I say that because my father was like, I wish you would reconsider. So, but he's supportive. Yeah. We're supportive of one another. So, sure. you know, I had that hard conversation with him um, when I was, you know, 17, mm-hmm. um, only to have it come back and get me. So when I was, when I was 40 years old and my oldest son mm-hmm. was 17, we had the same damn conversation. I'm like, mm, okay, got it. You know, so a little, little bit different, but I didn't really, no one was against it, but it was, uh, and I was, I'm the only one in my family that did that though. So, well, I have two okay. cousins that went into the Navy and then I, I yeah. joined the army as far as the rest of the familia, they've all, they're all still down in New Mexico doing their thing, you know? Yeah. So when you had that conversation with your son, could you then, you know, empathize with your dad in that moment a little bit more about like what he was feeling in that moment? It was it was a bit surreal. I'll be honest. You know, when yeah. I had that conversation, um, <clears throat> I was just uh, you know my father. I was like um, very nervous. I was scared. Not scared of my dad. You know, I mean, I right. I have a, a a a healthy respect for that man. Um, but I was you know I had like a little bit of fear. Um, so when my son had it with me, it was uh, I felt like I was back then. But I'm having the conversation with with my son. And, um, it was, uh, it was surreal, man. I don't, I don't know. It's hard for me to, to, to put into words what it was like. And, but I approached it the exact same way. So my son, um, his experience in the military is vastly different than me as a child. Right. So yeah, I didn't grow up in the army. I, I didn't, you know, my dad served in Vietnam, did his stuff, went back home started mm-hmm. a family, I started a family, you know, and, and, and also to talk about my father's service. So when my father deployed to Vietnam, he deployed with a cousin, uh, Andres Moreno Jr. And Andres didn't come home. So my mm-hmm. father's experience was a little bit different, you know, and Andres, yeah. um, he's on the Vietnam wall. He's the one that introduced my mom and dad, you know, so my, I, I want to give my dad a little bit more credit for like, right. Not really being against it, but a little more, sure. Um, a little more hesitant. Little, little, or, very good. Yeah. So, so my son though, that's all he's known. I mean, my son was born, my oldest son was born in 97. Um, I, at that point in my, I joined the army when I was in 1992. Uh, at that point in my, in my career, I was uh, just going to the selection, um, special forces qualification course. I was a special forces green beret. So his earliest, like that's, that's it. He was a military brat, like a military child. Right. So, his whole life yep. has been yep. that and his earliest memories, you know, um, as far back as he can remember are the events of September 11, 2001, which are the towers falling. That's as far back as he can remember. So my son, who's mm-hmm. deployed right now, you know, you know, during a time of war, um, that's all he's known, you know, is war. You know, he saw my he saw yeah. he has a, a father that served for 21 years and deployed 10 times. His, his my ex-wife, his mother served for twenty one, served for twenty one years and deployed multiple times wow. as well. So that's all he knows. Um, and I'm not saying like he's brainwashed because when he had that mm-hmm. conversation with me and 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 his mom, both her and I were like, well, if if anyone has uh, um, knows what they're getting into, it's 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 our son, right? Because he knew that right. he he saw. Like we I mean, get he, it. he knows friends of <laughs> he mine. Gets it. Uh, yeah, he, the, yeah, he, he got it. I mean, he knows the the, the true pro, the true price of of service and really what the nation asks. I'm really curious because I know I have a a good amount of friends and and a handful of family members that were 
uh, in the military post 9-11 and joined post 9-11 just because Mm -hmm. of you know, age brackets where I am. Right. But I'm always curious to know like how it was in, you know, cause you were in for almost a decade prior to that happening. And so like how much difference things like how different things changed and how quickly, like from that moment, like where you were in that previous decade in the military. And then it's like, now it's this whole other thing. Like what was that? How much of a stark difference was that event in how you guys did everything? Yeah. So, um, so when I joined, the, I was a senior in high school when Desert Storm was going on, right? So, you know, like mm-hmm. I said, when I graduated high school, I was too young to join the join the military. Um, so, yeah. you know, there was war, right? The, the, you know, the, the Desert Storm. Um, so I, I was like, as a, as a kid, I'm like, I felt similar to what the post 9-11 uh, generation felt about serving. Like, man, we've been attacked. Let's go. Well, Desert Storm, we weren't attacked, but like I mentioned, I wanted to serve my nation. I'm like, man, there's, there's, there are sons and daughters that are deployed. I should be one of them. So I joined, but Desert Storm was over. But I was fortunate that when I joined, you know, I went to basic training, uh, AIT, and then I went to jump school. And then my first unit was uh, Fort Drum, New York. So I got sent to the 10th Mountain Division. And I, shortly after getting there, um, this was uh, in, towards the end of 92 when I got to Fort Drum, if you if you remember what was going on, uh, that's when we started sending troops to Somalia. So I deployed to Somalia uh, shortly thereafter in '93. So mm. I'm like 18 year old, dumb private, you know, they don't know anything uh, as far as the world goes outside of Las Cruces, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, I deployed, so I, <laughs> you know, and I got to see what um, the real world, right? They get they experience um, the horrors of war. You know, I'm not trying to like throw shade on any of it. It's just that's it's a little bit different than watching TV and man, it's just a little different. Um, So that set the tone for the rest of my life, I think. Um, And then I was fortunate. It's I was at 10th Mountain Division. um, So in 1994, the year after, about a year and a half after, um, if if people remember their history, there was a coup that occurred in Haiti. Uh, Raul Cedras, who was the general at the time, overthrew the government. So um, we intervened, you know, and I happened to be in the unit that was sent down to react. You know, it was called Operation uh, Restore Democracy. Um, So, you know, 10th Mountain Division, we are on an aircraft carrier, the USS Eisenhower. Um, They they didn't use Marines for whatever reason. It was the first time, like, U.S. troops were on an aircraft carrier to do anything quite like that that weren't Marines since... World War Two, right? Um, so, oh, wow. uh, yeah, it was weird. It was different. So I got to be part of that. The na- that was my naval experience. Um, ride the Eisenhower for like eight, nine days before we went in. So we responded to that, and I was in the, the task force that was in Port-au-Prince, and our, our job was to air assault in, secure the port, secure, and then 82nd Airborne was, and the Rangers were going to jump in and secure the airfields. Um, uh, Special Forces teams were already in country. So we were getting ready to go in, and it was going to be a fight. But then um, I believe it was uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson and uh, President Carter said, hey, man, you probably want to think about this. So so he's like, all right, we give up, you know. Uh, so instead of going in, guns blazing, we went in with flowers in our hair, right? So we went in and and facilitated <laughs> the, uh, the transition of government back to the democratically elected uh, leader at that time. So I spent about... Wow, like eight, nine months there, uh, which is another great experience. So those are my pre-9-11 experiences. So after that, sure. um, during those two deployments I had as, as a young, dumb kid, um, I saw Special Forces guys, Green Berets, you know, doing – I had seen them, and I'm like, man, I want to do that. They always seemed to be doing more. They didn't have to wear all the crap we were wearing. They were just – they got to put their hands in their pockets. I mean, it was – I was like, huh. Mm, I want to, I'm going to see if I can do that. Right? <laughs> so, so, so that's when I, I made the decision. They I'm get like, to grow ah, out their beards a little bit. Yeah. Like. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you know, they have long hair. So some, they can wear sunglasses, put gel in their hair. I'm like, man, this is, I want to be cool. Right. So, so, so that's where uh, I decided to go to selection. And then, uh, so that was my um, pre nine 11 experience. So then, I graduated the Q course end of 99, 2000. So then, you know, I get my first deployment. It was, I was assigned to seventh special forces group and uh, each of the special forces groups uh, are regionally oriented. So we had central and South America. 
So I went to Colombia to do some mm-hmm. stuff. There's a lot of stuff that goes on across the world that people don't know goes on. So I was fortunate yeah. to be part of that. And then after that, you know, the war kicked off and, you know, that's when everybody uh, kind of pitched in. But concurrently, while the war is going on, uh, special forces teams particularly still have are still performing missions all over the world. So we would go to do something in Colombia or Bolivia or Panama, and then, oh, nope, got to go fight. Oh, now we got to come back. Oh, we got to go do this. So it was a, a busy mm-hmm. time, you know, and even before the war, not just special forces teams, but, you know, our Frogman brothers, the SEALs, um, were decisively engaged prior to the war. So we were gone six to eight months every year anyway. Um, and I was a brand new at it, but after the war started, that's when things changed and where I noticed a significant um, uh, trend was, uh, you know, when we're, when this nation is committed to supporting its war fighters, um, they get, they get what they need. And that's when I yeah. saw that, that if I was to say there's a, there's a difference between pre 9-11 and post 9-11 uh, from my experience is pre 9-11, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, well, we kind of, kind of figure it out. But then post 9-11, like, all right, what are the guys, what are the guys and gals need? Let's get it to them. So it just, you know, and this, and this is from a guy that I was, I was never a staff guy. I was never some general. I'm not, no, I was, I was, you know, rubber meet the road kind of guy. Um, So that from my point Mm -hmm. of view, it just seemed we get a lot, we, we definitely got a lot more uh, support, you know, on logistical um, stuff like that. But again, you know, I have to factor in that, um, I was in the special operations community as opposed to the conventional community. And we, sure. we're, we're spoiled. I mean, I'm going to say yep. it, it, we're, we're, you know, it's like comparing, <laughs> you know, uh, the major leagues to triple A ball, you know, it's like nothing against either, but yeah, you know, there's a lot more resources for certain, right. uh, certain groups. So that was kind of my experience. It's, that's really interesting. Cause you met, you said the one phrase that you said, um, when <laughs> you said, if people know their history, when you, when you were telling that story. And uh, that seems to be something that is in pretty short supply lately. Uh, yeah. And it, it would seem that whether that's done intentionally or not, I tend to think it's the former, uh, where it's going to be the cause of a lot of other things that maybe we, like even us in, the, in our very young country's history, right? Like, we've already dealt with some of this stuff that's already kind of starting to repeat itself in, in many ways. Are you kind of seeing that same thing also? Yeah. But I, I, I also think that, and I, and this is not me just saying, ah, oh, they coming up with an excuse. But if you look at human mm-hmm. history as a whole, humans repeat history, man. Yeah. They just, if you, if you look back, let's yep. just, let's go for it. Let's go one. Let's talk about a civilization that existed that most people can, like, oh, yeah, I remember them, right? It was like the Roman Empire. Think about sure. it, right? Even them and their, their, their might and, and the height of their power, their people got lazy. You know, there's that, you know, those sayings yeah. you hear quite frequently. And I'm glad, to, you know, I, I like hearing um, very impactful philosophical statements or sayings over and over and over again, right? Like, you know, what was it? Uh, strong men create you know, uh, easy times and easy times easy create times. weak men. Right. Yeah. So, so that, yeah. that, that occurred. So however, comma, um, no nation has ever existed like the United States. And, and I am not like the pounding my chest, right. you know, like the freedom, freedom Eagle beating like, yeah, America. Heck yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> there is never, we have never, we have never had a nation exist to our knowledge on, on this, on this planet where, the basic um, formation is found in the ideals of, of freedom and liberty, right? And your, your, your pursuit of happiness, mm-hmm. right? Like this never occurred. You know, everything else up until the United States was geographically, socioeconomically, um, ethnically, tribally, however you want to put it, th- they were, those nations were formed. We're the only one that's, that's done that. I'm not saying we got a, a great history, right? I mean, we... The nation was formed, and you know right. we we you know we retreated the nat- the natives here poorly. Um, but if you look at the founding and and our nation's principles and what is it, we, a nation has never existed quite like that. So I say that somewhat as a caveat to your question, like yeah. w- what do I see as far as trends? And I said, well, um, people tend to do that. 
But I think if there is going to be a nation of individuals that goes a different route, it's going to be the United States, without a doubt. I've traveled a lot. I'm not saying I've been everywhere. But I don't. I really don't care what socioeconomic demographic group you associate yourself with as an American. You still think like an American. Like 100%. Man, I, it doesn't matter yeah. your religion or your belief. If you grew up an American and you live in this nation or you even immigrated here and you've adopted our, our general American cultural way of life, and I don't mean consumerism, I mean just like, look, man, I, I have rights and freedoms to say and do what I want within the confines of, of normal law and order. Um, we're the only ones that think like that. We legitimately are. So I've, you know, I don't want to yeah. think that we're, we're not above learning from our past. However, you know, um, yeah, we're, we're making a lot of mistakes right now. <laughs> yeah, there, there will be definitely the, the peaks and valleys in the, in, you know, in the timeline of a country's life. And it just, you know, yeah. if how deep those valleys go or whatever it is, I mean, like you said, there's something about the way that our country was structured from the very beginning, like you said, on a set of ideals rather than a like single thing based off of location or, or all mm -hmm. of those other things that you had uh, mentioned, which makes it to where, you know, the, what's the, I'm trying to think of the, uh, the timeline. They, they said like most, most like high powered civilizations or whatever last like 250 years or something like oh, that. Yeah. Like yeah. that's like the average or something. And uh, that's like basically right where we are right now. Like literally the 250 mm -hmm. is in four years. Right. And so you start to see like these things that are like, oh, I can see how this because it would take this amount of time for like you said, like with the example of Rome, people got really comfortable and they got really lazy. Right. Yeah. And there's people that uh, take advantage of the power that they have. And in a lot of people just get really comfortable and lazy and weak as a result. And so, like, it seems like we're going through one of those times right now where it's like there's going to be some challenges that are going to have to happen and somebody's going to have to step up and and do something about it or it could go the way of Rome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you don't want <laughs> it to, open. but yeah. it like the P the places, the pieces are there for it to potentially happen. If it, if it just goes as it's going uninterrupted, but I tend to think that there's a lot more, a lot more of the strong men that exist than not. And you know, but that's, that's the optimist in me too. So, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. I, I, I believe, I believe in our nation and, and who we are as a people, as an American people, you know, and I think yep. the youth today mm -hmm. are bombarded with a lot of bullcrap, you know what I mean, unfortunately, but I still believe in the youth today mm -hmm. um, because I look at, you know, my, my, I love like, you know, my, my sons aren't perfect, but they're my sons and I'm proud of them. And, um, you know, mm -hmm. I look at their peers, I look at their friends, I listen to their conversations, I pay attention to what they're doing. And man, they're, they're, they're still, they, they're, they're still there. There's the, the, that, uh, that, um, you know, um, that soul of America and the ability that the freedom and pursuit of freedom. And sometimes we might have to fight for it. Um, it still exists in our youth, you know, is it everywhere? Mm -hmm. Is it as prevalent as it was 30, 40 years ago? Maybe not, but it still exists. And all it takes is a few people. All it takes is a, is a few people to give everyone that azimuth check, right? Like, Hey, look, here's a quick reminder. This is who we are. This is what we need to do. And, you know, I, there, there are plenty of, of um, you know, the, the, the future leadership of our nation, I think, um, actually may, may be even stronger because guess what? They're going to have to fight for it. They're going to absolutely have to fight yeah. for our way of life. So, you know, my, my son and my grandson, right? I mean, he's four now, my grandson, but it, it's probably going to be his generation where those individuals are going to have to stand up and fight for it. And that's how this nation was founded. It was individuals, you know, the majority of people, again, if you know your history, yeah. uh, the whole American Revolution, the vast majority were like, nah, I'll just pay the tax. Nah, they were terrified. They were scared to change their <laughs> up and their complete, think about it, like majority of of settlers during during that time frame during the American Revolution did not want to go to war with with England. They're like, man, I, I'm comfortable, but they had to change their entire way. Of, their, their entire culture had to shift. The, everything, like, hey, there's only a few of us. Yeah. What do you guys think? We're gonna take on the toughest country. We're gonna pick on the biggest, you know, the biggest guy in the yard, man. That's my gosh, that's crazy. If you try, seriously, and, if, if we you try and put our it, put our 
put your frame of mind how they thought and it's like who did it it was it was those few it was it was our founding fathers they're like nah man i mm -hmm. believe in this this is beautiful and they're geniuses for what they did because we're still learning lessons from them today you know what i mean um so i that's yeah. why I, I say all that because you know not every not every american back you know during the revolution was a freaking you know what I mean? Uh, 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 ben Franklin or George Washington. We weren't coming Thomas at him with everybody. <laughs> no. Nope. No. Nope. But it was those yeah. individual leaders. <laughs> so that's why I say, you know, I, I believe in the future of, of our nation because they're still there. They're going to have to fight for it. One of the things that always just amazes me when you go back and you read, like what a lot of those guys actually wrote down, like you go and you read all of the Federalist Papers, for example. Yeah. And one of the things that always like blows my mind with the exception of John Jay, who was like the old guy of the three that wrote those. And he was like 38 years old. Yeah. Right. Like the other two, Hamilton and Madison were like 24 20s. and 26 yeah. years old when they yeah. like early mid twenties when they wrote those. And I'm just like, that is amazing. Like just the, yeah. and, and I was reading a thing talking about the, the language that they used to write them was super deliberate because uh, they wanted it to be something that was easily readable by the common person at the time. And at the time, the like highest level of education was like seventh or eighth grade for most people. And so uh, they wrote this with like a, you know, the, with the ability to have a seventh grader read it. And I'm like, I guarantee you could put this in some college classes right now. And some of those kids wouldn't be able to uh, decipher what these guys are, are writing in a, in a clear way. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. The level of thinking that was taking place at that time. And just to testament to how smart they actually were with how they put all this stuff together. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you bring up a good point, you know, as, as, I, and, and I think it's awesome. Ross, you've actually, you, we're, we're talking about this, you know what I mean? I'm like, Oh wow, this, this is, this is a little bit different. Um, so I don't get to talk about like the Federalist Papers <laughs> very much. So thank you for opening this door. Um, oh, but you're, you're hundred percent right. You know, and you really, you know, we, we look at that. It's just like, there were 20 year olds, there were 20 and 30 year olds, you know? And that's why I think the youth of today, mm -hmm. um, they're bombarded with a lot of, like I said, bull crap. Um, I think some of them are made to believe they're less than, and they're really not. And, and it's, it's, uh, mm. it's a tragedy, man. I, 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 I see it happen. There's undertones, whether it's a TV show or a commercial or the media or whatever. It's like, man, they're, you're kind of, it's almost like they're trying to keep them down, right? But there, there are those, there are those, you know, um, the, the future of our nation is, is, is right now in, in the hands of 20 year olds, you know, yeah. and, and there are plenty of them out there that still believe in this nation and it's right to exist as a free nation, uh, respecting everyone's, um, individual liberties and not forcing it on anyone else. You know, there's a lot of weird stuff going on right now, you know, not to, to get into politics. Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd like to stay away from it if possible, but, uh, um, it, there's a lot of like, yeah. well, what, uh, wait, what? So, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, right. I, I think I think the future is going to be OK, you know, because there's there's still plenty of them. Um, and but the responsibility is still on us older folks. Um, you know, I turned 48 on Friday. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, it the responsibility is still on us to to educate them and give them the, and, and encourage them. You know, that's why I said it's it's unfortunate to see the youth of this nation made to feel less than. Right. And I'm not saying. Let's give them all participation trophy. No, I'm not one of those. What I'm saying is their potential, um, and, and and giving them the real yeah. the, like history. Like this is this is what makes this nation great. And you you're it. You're the future. It's like one of my favorite quotes. Um, it was actually by uh, Laura Bush, and uh, she said, um, "While children only make up a quarter of our population, they are 100% of our future." And I I think people forget mm. about that. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them and using their service, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service 
online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. I was hesitant about having to get a new phone and a new phone number, but with Mint, you can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone and your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or for a family, and at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and to get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/waypoint. That is mintmobile.com/waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com/waypoint. Yeah. Definitely. That's a really good one. I'm going to make that note because I don't think I've heard that one before and I'm writing it down right now. <laughs> um, that brings up a good, uh, a good kind of avenue into actually what you said, you, a lot of what you did in your, in your keynote last week talking about service and like what that word, you know, what, what it really means. And, you know, with, with that in mind, talking about like how, how much responsibility is on youth and that kind of stuff. Like where does service, how you define it sort of play into that? Like how do you, how do you work those two things together? Yeah. I, well, I think it's, you know, when I, when I talk about like service people automatically because of my, my bio or my background and you know what I've done, what I continue to do, I'm going to focus on mm-hmm. like, Oh, it, it, it means military service. It means putting on a uniform. It means picking up a gun and running right. in harm's way. That is a form of service. Right. Service takes wears many different hats, you know, like we were chatting. Um, serving your serve your local community, serve your church, serve your serve your neighborhood. Serve. I mean, service, it's it's a it's a broad term, but it's not exclusive to those that wear the uniform. Right. Let's, let's be honest about that. Right. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think a lot of yeah. of Americans that never whether they they didn't they chose not to wear the uniform or didn't have the opportunity because i think one in five right now like one in five um 18 to 24 30 year olds could actually qualify to get in military service so it's a, it's a dwindling population mm. so um I, but i think it's important wow. i want to talk about those that didn't serve um there are many many there are millions of americans that serve this nation in, in a number of different capacities and it's not service and patriotism is not exclusive to the veteran community it's not you know um so here here's an example where it like it like smacked me in the face so um you know, I, I i served for 21 years and i deployed 10 times the most difficult deployment for me were not any of the times i went the most difficult deployment for me and i'm gonna sound like an insensitive husband uh because my my ex-wife served for 21 years too but uh um was when <laughs> her and i watched our you know, uh, our son deployed to the same regions of Afghanistan that we both had deployed to during our career um, to perform a similar mission that I had performed some years prior. So, like, I say that because I like, my gosh, that was like, so I have a, my, one of my, my probably my, one of my favorite photos is me giving him an embrace, right? I'm, I'm hugging my son before he was here at Fort Bragg. So before he gets on the bus to go to the back of the bird, the and then the C-17 to fly him to to Afghanistan, um, it, it's called Green Ramp. It's where everyone deploys from here on Fort Bragg. So I'm giving him a hug. He's a he's a much taller, smarter, better looking, stronger version of me, man. I mean the kid is, I mean incredibly <laughs> proud of this guy. Like ah oh, man, he's he's awesome. Um, so I'm I'm like reaching up, give him a hug, right, and uh, and. Uh, you know, I, I look at that picture and even just talking about it, I'm gonna like, you know, feel like a little lump in my throat. But it's like, you know, that I'm 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 hugging this teenager that is serving this nation. He's going forward to serve people that'll never know him. They don't, they, and and he doesn't care. He's okay. He's doing it willfully, right? So I give him this embrace. He turns around, picks up his rucksack and and his his uh, his weapon, and he starts walking away. Right? He never looked back. Um, but as he's walking away, you know, all I see is this like little toddlers, little three-year-old going to war, 
you know. So I was like, oh, my gosh, that's what it's like. That's what it was like for my father, right, my mom. That's what it was like for yeah. the, the – that holy – I would much – I would have taken – if I could have taken his spot, I would have done it like that without question, right? I it, Yes, but service. So let's talk about that, the service and sacrifice of the family. Um, you know, it, it's, it, it's much harder, you know what I mean? Every time my, my – my uh, my spouse deployed. I was just like, oh my, much I trade with you in a heartbeat. And then when my son deployed, so I use that as, as as a moment in my life when it just smacked me in the face. And I'm like, look, man, there's people that are giving more than you can ever know, um, and and their service should be recognized. You know, I, nobody has any right to diminish anyone else's service, and it doesn't just mean, you know, putting on a uniform, picking up a gun. And running into you know into harm's mm -hmm. way, service takes many many forms. So, you know, when it comes to service, I think people talk about the population that didn't serve or may want to serve or wherever it doesn't matter. You know, I just I just hope they realize the true impact on the safety and security of this nation isn't solely in that capacity. There are so many things you can do uh, to serve this nation. So, mm -hmm. you know, the definition of service is it's. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot broader than people think. You know, so when I was talking about it last week as the the keynote speaker for the the Lockheed Martin, uh, their uh, their leadership conference thing, um, that's what it was, and I was thanking them for the continued service. You yeah. know, because right now, um, <clears throat> overseas there are men and women that aren't in uniform that are serving in harm's way, that are performing a mission that was once performed by an individual in uniform. There's a reason it only takes 1% of this nation to defend the 99%. It's because of those men and women that are non-uniformed that are in the battle space on the battlefield. You know, the ratio, they started collecting this data during Desert Storm. And uh, um, <clears throat> in the ratio of uniformed service members to non-uniformed service members during Desert Storm, to the best of the knowledge, was 50 to 1. Today, that number is 1 to 1. Hmm. So... In 2019, the Department of Labor wow. did the best they could to try and figure out how many non-uniform individuals lost their lives or received work-related injury, you know, like wounded, um, you know, over there. Because w with regard to the those in uniform, that's that's all DOD, right? Department of Defense tracks all that. But anyone else, if yeah. you pass away outside our borders that people don't know, that falls under Department of Labor. So Department of Labor were like, well, how many have we lost or what what's the number or what's the total cost or whatever and obviously they don't have access to a lot of this some people are doing some stuff that we're not going to talk about right and there's uh, not not to get in that conversation but yeah. security reasons right um right. to the best of their right. knowledge when the department of labor published this report while we at where we have over seven thousand, more than seven thousand kias in uniform we have, and, and uh, it's probably going to shock you, but we have over 3,400 non-uniform individuals that have lost their life. That's staggering. That's, that blew, when I read that, I was like, wow. that's got to be a typo, man. There's no way. Like, so you think about tens of thousands right. of families, hundreds of thousands, probably millions that have been impacted by that loss, a level of service that is never talked about and not recognized. That's profound. That's like, holy, like, what the, what the hell? You know, why aren't we talking about that? Yeah. Um, so I use that as an opportunity to talk about, like, the, I'll use that as a, as a segue into the, the project I'm working on right now. You know, we, we, I've been working on a, a yeah. passion project for the past six years. Um, uh, me and, and uh, uh, some others um, um, have been working on this. But that's what we're doing is we're, we're building uh, right now a national global war on terrorism war memorial in Washington, D.C. Uh, so think about like Vietnam Wall, World War II Memorial, Korean War Memorial, World War I Memorial. Yeah. Um, that's the project that I've been, I got involved in in uh, 2016. Um, you know, that's, that's what I'm doing. And so that's why I can rattle those, those statistics and that data off for you. This is like my all day, every day is talking yeah. about people that have served and, and the level of impact. Right. Um, <clears throat> you know, because uh, all that data I threw at you isn't like that's like Jeopardy data, right? Like, how would how do you know the ratio of non-uniformed individuals? To, <laughs> yeah, how would you like? That's right. weird. Why would you know that? So that is why I want to. I want to clarify. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not that smart of a guy. I just I work in a certain space where I have to know that inf that information. Um, 
so that's mm-hmm. that's what we're doing right now. So when it comes to service, um, it's, it's really important for me to educate everyone that, look, there's so many things that you can do that everybody can do to make this nation uh, a better place because there's we every everyone should try to be a better individual every single day everyone is defined every day by your daily actions as a nation we should strive to be better mm-hmm. every single day and that responsibility falls upon us so there's there's so many different ways that we can yeah. serve you know i i chose my path you know i i wore the uniform did what i did um and then after i retired got involved in a few other different things um and that's 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 just services is is a little bit broader than people think at least that's my dos centavos you know it's my belief yeah and it's it's really interesting to think about too because especially in the last well i don't know two plus years now a lot of people are realizing the importance of of that service in a more local and community level than uh, because they have op- more opportunities at those levels than, you know, uh, than they would normally think, or maybe that they had thought for a long time, like, well, what can I do kind of a thing? It's like, well, there's all these things that you can do in your town. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't have to be this like grand, I'm, I'm doing this national type level thing where it seems like this insurmountable, pro- you know, project, right? Like there's all kinds of opportunities at local levels and in your own communities to, to do things that are going to improve where you meet, which th- those things are most of the time going to have more of a direct impact on your life anyways, just because that's your immediate circle, you know? And so, um, these last couple of years, I think that's been something that a lot of people have noticed that there's a lot more of those opportunities to, to provide service than, than maybe that what they thought. And, it, and it's happening more so locally in, in much smaller capacities. Absolutely. You know, and I think it's a great example is like serving your community doesn't mean like, Oh, I have to start a nonprofit or, I got to volunteer to, right. with the Red Cross or the homeless shelter, go to the soup kitchen or what? No, service can, if you're a business owner, be like, you know what? I think we can probably help this way, right? And figure it out. So it's individualistic. Right. And that's where I think people realize is service to your community is individualistic. Like, what can you give? It just, and you have to be honest with yourself. There's two types of people that will volunteer mm-hmm. and give those there are those people that will probably give more than they're capable of doing and then they end up like oh my gosh they get overwhelmed and it affects their life in a negative way because they're just like i you know there, there's that but then there are people that are just like all right i want to and it, to be honest about it like there are people that get involved and say hey i'm involved but they don't really do anything you know uh that that's that's common as well right but i think individuals when they're honest with themselves They'd be like, look, what can I do? What can we do? What can our family do? What? And I, I, I strongly suggest people just look at what are you bringing to the table, right? What do you have to offer? What could we impart on mm-hmm. others? Sometimes it's not always, you know, resources, right? Like not, you know, not everyone's got a lot of money, right? So those people can do it. But everyone has something to give, right? Like every, if you look at who we are as, as, yeah. as a species, as, as humans, we're, we're tribal in nature. Everyone contributed something, right? Even as, if you want to go back to the hunter-gatherer days, some hunters were better than others, you know? Okay, well, how do we, how do, we do this? How yeah. do we chase this down? How do we move this? You know, those guys that could run faster would do that. The guys that were probably stronger would probably be the ones with the speed. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's common sense, right? So we haven't changed. Like, mm-hmm. What do I bring to the table? What do me, what is my family, my family, my, 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 my son? What can we do? that's not going to take away from us because when you give away some of your capacity, you're, you're not, you're not really helping, right? Because you're diminishing your impact, right? So if I, if it's like old pouring from an empty cup, so I want to be able to support, but I still want to be able to, yeah, I want to support others and encourage their contributions, but I can't take away from what I am bringing to the table. Right. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that and it ends up manifesting itself in personal relationships but uh it's a whole other conversation but um you know i think service had, right. has many different ways and and maybe it is maybe it is like okay i i have the time i i well everyone has time but like i i have the ability and capability you know i think i'm going to enlist in the united states military and do it right and some people are like no i don't think i have mm-hmm. the i i just can't for whatever reason then well what else can you do what else can you give you know um so it's it's um service yeah it's 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 pretty um 
I think people got a lot of blinders on and they only think it's one thing. Um, yeah. and, and often we're, totally. we're, um, we're, we're guilty of our, you know, we're the ones causing it. Um, but it, there's so many ways you can give to others that, I mean, even as simple as like, like legitimately, like holding a door for somebody, right? You see someone coming up, Hey, I'll help you out. I know that's not service. You're not doing work. You're not changing the world by doing that. But just being a good human being, man, that's service. You know, you're, you're helping out. You know, I mm -hmm. think, I think there's a lot and some days you can give more than others. Totally. The, uh, it, it's one of those, it's, it's one of those things when you think about it, like it's much simpler than we like tend to make it in our heads <laughs> because like we're humans, right? So we always want to just assume things are way more complicated than they are. <laughs> mm -hmm. And so, like you said, it, it, it doesn't have to be this grandiose thing that I, that I do. And it's got this massive impact immediately kind of thing, or this, you know, huge, huge, whatever it is, it can be just like, Hey, I did one or two, uh, better things today using my strengths that yeah. I have, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and recognizing what those strengths are and util and using them for good purposes, you know, and it doesn't, and, 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 and it, in a way it's very similar in the sense uh, is military stuff in the sense that most of them will go unnoticed by everybody. You know what I mean? It's it. There's, if you're doing it for the like recognition of it, yeah. then it's not really the same kind of thing. And so I think that's something as well, where a lot of people are realizing, Hey, I can just do this in my community. And you know, maybe I'm helping out at my kid's school. Maybe I'm, you know, whatever it is. And that actually makes a big difference, but it's not something yeah. big. This is not this big flashy thing. That's going to like have news stories written about you. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know. And, and, you know, and it's, <laughs> you know, some people, I mean, it, you know, it's just the nature of the beast, I guess, you know, there's, there are, there are things like that, but I think, you know, I, it, and it can be yeah. intimidating when you look at individuals that are like, just, you know, excelling, you know, I mean, not everyone can be a mother Teresa, right? Like, it, no, man, you, 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 right. Everyone needs to understand, like all those individuals that you see doing, whether it's national or national level stuff or whether it's um you know like significant movements or whatever they didn't just wake up and do that yeah right it took time there's there's that right. first step that guy used mother Teresa, and she lived a life of you know of, of giving in in the church so you know i i think it can be intimidating by individuals like man what can i do and then what do they do is what i said you're not allowed to do they diminish their own capabilities. They diminish their own service, right? And that's, it's just like negative right. feedback loop where like you see this thing and or somebody doing something like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. Well, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. So let's, let's, let's take it to the simplest level, right? So going to a gym, right? If someone wants to get healthy, if they walk in a gym, if they see someone squatting, you know, five, 600 pounds, like Brandon's over there lifting houses and stuff. Should I walk <laughs> out? No, no. Right. I should probably stay there and make put in effort right just like brandon has mm -hmm. done you know or 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 dan mckay or any of these monsters right any of the any of the sore next mm -hmm. familia you know they didn't <laughs> right. just do that you know they didn't just wake up and bam yes they have there's some of them have gifts but they put in the work so it's intimidating yeah. so at at that basic level with regard to service if you want to be healthier and live a better lifestyle you have to take a first step so if you you really haven't done a lot and served your community or your nation or your county or state township whatever you're going to have to start. Not everyone can yeah. go become a U.S. Senator tomorrow, right? It, it takes time. So I think, you know, if people would realize that those individuals all started somewhere, um, started doing something, it, it, you know, albeit maybe insignificant in from the outside view, they had to start somewhere. And it, it can be very intimidating when you look at individuals that are just doing this, this superhuman give backs, right? You're like, how yeah. did you, like, what? Oh my gosh. Like, Right. And then, then they, what do they do? Again, like I said, they'll, they'll diminish their own capabilities and diminish their own service. And that's where, like, if anybody ever listens to, to, if anybody listens to this one, you know, our podcast, I hope they just remember two things, right? You know, don't diminish your service, right? Do, do not diminish your service or your capabilities. Like, you know, like I mentioned, the euthanation of our nation is kind of like made to feel like they, they can't or they don't have. And right. it's, it's, it's sad, you know, nobody knows what's inside you except you. Like nobody does. So you, you need to let it out. And they even, 
you know, we, we as human beings tend to hold our own selves back a little bit, right? We are like, ah, oh, I can't do that. Ah, it just takes work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, I have, I have a question I want to ask cause I ask it to a lot of the, a lot of my friends and, uh, some, a handful of guys that have come on here that are, have served in the military and are, and are out currently, uh, because I think that there's in that transition phase, there's a lot of things that, you know, I'm sure you can attest to that you realize you view the world a little bit differently than you did during the time that you were in. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and this might be a little bit different for you because you have a son that's currently, uh, in right now. So maybe this question is different for you, but if you were at the, that young age, 17 again today, would you still have the same like drive to enlist today or in the current environment of the military guys right now? Or would you not? Yes. Without a doubt. I would, I would still, I without a doubt. I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. who I am. You know, yeah. that's just like, like I mentioned, what made me want to do that is to seek that, that brother, that brotherhood, that familia that I, and, and mm-hmm. I, and it's there, it's still there. Mm-hmm. Right. So my, my desire was to be part of something bigger and better. And I, without question, you know what I mean? I mean, you know, I was in for, for 21 years, you know, um, you know, several different administrations with, with regard to politics, you know, and it's, it's, um, I would do it. I would do it. And, mm-hmm. and I would do it for that reason, but then I'd also do it because I believe in this nation, you know, yeah. um, I believe in every single American citizen and their, and their right to, to, uh, you know, to live, to live as they live, as they choose to see, to live and seek their own happiness, you know, with, like I said, within the confines of normal rule of law and order. Right. But, you know, I, I, I love our nation. I, I've traveled a lot, have been everywhere. A lot of people have been in a lot more places than I have. I tend to, I think I've, I've traveled the armpit of the world, I guess, you know, but, uh, <laughs> um, it's, uh, you know, I believe in this nation and its people and I love them all. You know, we, 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 you're not going to find a nation that is more giving, that is more open to new ideas. That is more, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, um, it like hurts my feelings when you hear people talk about how oppressive this nation is. I'm like, um, what's your, where have you been? Like, right. where are you getting this? Like, what data point are you using? Because yeah. if you've been anywhere else in the world, you're not going to find a more broad, diverse and inclusive nation than the United States of America. We give more than anyone else. We're, we, we empower uh, our citizens more than any other nation. We don't oppress anybody. You know what I mean? There are individuals that there's shitty people all over the planet, but as a, as a system, we're not oppressing anybody. Yeah. You know, I come from very, I mean, a poor family man. We don't have anything, but we were never oppressed. I, I was afforded every opportunity that every other, uh, you know, American is afforded. And we made a path, you know, my, my family, we, you know, we, we've chose to do what we do. So I, I, um, I love this nation and I would, I would, I, I would, continue to serve if if i could still be in the army right now i would mm-hmm. trust me i i was medically retired it you know after uh, they were like yeah rod you got too many you know too, one too many injuries man you gotta go um but if i could if i could still be in the in the army heck yeah without question and even if i was a 17 18 year old kid i would enlist yeah i love it with the stuff that you're doing right now with the uh with the memorial what kind of things can people do to like help out or what are the steps that you guys oh, need to take? Like where you guys are? No, that's fantastic. So, um, a little bit about foundation. So, um, we, in 2000, so we were, we were formed in 2015. I joined the team in 2016. Um, and then in 2017, we passed a bill to get authorization to do this. So up until mm-hmm. then, anyone could have done it. But in 2017, this small group of veterans and families, bam, you're the only ones. So after we passed the bill in 2017, we had to, okay, where is it going to go in the 24 step process to build this memorial in order to build it where all the other existing war memorials are, we have to pass another piece of legislation, another bill. Mm. And I don't know if anybody sees how things are in Capitol Hill. That's nothing easy. You know, we passed one and I'm like, man, do we really want to pass another one, but that's what the people wanted. So for the past three and a half years, that's been our focus. Um, because if we didn't pass this piece of legislation, it would have been built into the fabric of the city and we would have lost the opportunity. You know, the top three visited sites in Washington, D.C. are the Lincoln Memorial, Vietnam Memorial, and World War II Memorial. People will go see this. Um, yeah. So 
you know, even though I was told by all the people that control this space, they're like, Rod, you can't do that. No one's because in 2003, they said no more new construction in, in, in that area, right? Nothing new. Okay. They closed it. They're like, Rod, you're not going to be able to do it. Everyone's trying to do it. it it's going to cost you millions of dollars, take you 10 to 15 years. It's not going to happen. I'm like, I'm not asking you to think what I can or can't do. Are we allowed? They're like, you pass a bill and we're going to fight you the whole way. I'm like, okay, let's fight. And, you know, we, we, uh, we effectively were able to pass the bill. So in December of, of 2021, President Biden granted us authority to build it. So now we're, uh, I say there's a little background for the foundation of where we are. Because we've been so legislatively focused, now we're shifting to one of program of national engagement. Because a lot of people don't know we're doing this. You know, yeah. um, so what people can do to get involved is go to our website, www.gwotmemorialfoundation.org. And, you know, all over social media, go there. Um, you can sign up for a mailing list. Uh, talk about us, you know, like like this opportunity right here. I mean, just give me a chance to talk about it and ask other people about it because we are building the most broad, diverse and inclusive war memorial ever built. You know, no one's ever built a war memorial during a time of war, nor has anyone ever been as broad and inclusive and we talked about that earlier on why yeah. we need to recognize everybody's service um you know and there's a few other things that i can't can't really share yet but there's sure. definitely going to be firsts as well with regard to war memorials um you know and and it's uh, i'm incredibly excited so uh, i i would invite anybody listening to uh, or, or watching to go um go check us out and you know if, if you and see how you can donate your time talent or treasure you know, some people can, hey, I can volunteer. Some people, hey, Rod, I, this is what I do for a business. We'll do this for you. And some people, you know, uh, have have the a capability to donate. So, yeah, that's why time, talent, and treasure, man. Just send it our way, dude. I would love to have you. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, man, I'm glad we had the the chance to talk a little bit more today. I know we'll we'll continue to stay in touch and talk more in the future. Hopefully, I see you at another Soar Next event. I'll be at most of them for the foreseeable future. So awesome. Well, are you uh, going to be at, at summer strong in a few weeks? It, uh, it, we're still on the fence, probably okay. not summer strong, just with the little one that's coming not too uh, shortly after mm, that. So I, smart. I kind of decided, I was like, ah, do I really want to be on the other side of the country if something <laughs> goes down? So, uh, but, uh, but I'm sure I'll see you around, uh, somewhat soon. So, but thank you, man. I really appreciate your time and, and being able to chat. Awesome, Hermano. I really appreciate the opportunity. Uh, really, I, I really appreciate it, man. Hope to see you soon again. Sounds good.